Hello, friends. Welcome aboard the Round Trip Stories podcast, where we share stories of moving around the world and back again, reflecting on the lessons we've learned along the way. My name is Melissa. And my name is Tracy, and we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. Our guest today is Melissa Enns, bilingual teacher, passionate learner, leader, and lover of people, and mother of three. When she and her third culture kid husband got married, their deal breaker was that they would one day go overseas to do mission work. Melissa shares about God's timing to take them to Peru as they became capacity builders in local churches there. She cherished the new perspectives that shopping, helping her family become part of a new community and exploring new places gave her. So buckle your seatbelts and make sure your tray tables and seats are in their upright positions as part one of Melissa's round trip story gets ready for takeoff. Hey, Melissa, I'm so honored to be able to interview you today and to hear all your round trip stories from your time. Thank you, Tracy. This is exciting and a little bit nerve wracking. It's kind of funny to be on the other side. Yeah, I know. Okay, so we're going to start with some questions so our listeners know more about you. So tell us about who you are and who your people are. Okay, so um, as you know, my name is Melissa Enns, and I'm a teacher. I have done, um, sometimes I get paid for teaching, other times I don't. Sometimes it's been in a classroom. (laughs) Um, Other times I am teaching at church or was homeschooling my kids for a few years. Um, So I've done lots of different kinds of teaching things, but I love teaching and learning, and um, that's kind of my passion just in a variety of different settings. And my husband is the CEO of a nonprofit here in Fresno, um, a fairly large nonprofit, and um, my, we have three kids. Our daughter is currently 22, which is hard to believe. Wow. And then I have two boys. One is 19 and one is 16. So that's who we are right now. Wow. And then, okay, so now tell us, where did you live before moving abroad? And then where did you go? Okay. So we um, lived in Fresno. So I was born in Bakersfield, which is two hours away from Fresno, and then moved to Fresno when I was four and lived here my entire life up um, through, I went to college in Fresno. I didn't want to go anywhere else. I just have always been a bit of a homebody, which is not what you would expect um, to hear, and which is not the case for my husband. He was born in Kinshasa in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and lived in Panama for seven years and then moved from Panama to Kansas and then Kansas to Fresno. So he was all over the place. Wow. And um, so, you know, quite different stories growing up. And we each had kind of our, our deal breaker issues. Uh-huh. I really was determined and passionate about wanting to be a stay-at-home mom because my yes. mom had been a stay-at-home mom and that was important to me. And um, and he said that was okay. And his deal breaker was that um, I had to be willing to move overseas at some point or he wouldn't marry me because he okay. felt called to, you know, he... I don't know if it was that he even felt called to be a missionary or something, or it was just something he knew he wanted to do. We thought that we were going to end up going somewhere 
like as missionaries soon after we got married and, you know, had kids, we had a plan. We were going to get married, have kids three years later, and then a couple years later, move overseas. Well, God never signed off on our plan. And (laughs) (laughs) so instead of having, you know, being pregnant three years after we got married, it took another couple of years beyond that. And in the meantime, we um, ended up feeling like God was saying, stay, don't go Mm -hmm. anywhere, just stay in Fresno. And so we stayed. Well, at some point, one of us started talking about maybe it was time to think about being, you know, doing missions again. And so to make a longer story shorter, um, we ended up getting in touch with our denominational missions agency. And then we moved. The day that my daughter had just turned 11, we drove away from Fresno. So she was 11, Toby was eight, and Timothy was four. And we moved to Peru. Wow. So and then and then what were you doing there? Yes. So we were there for just about two and a half years and we went as um what our missions agency called missions capacity builders, which basically means that we were kind of like consultants, coaches, like just there to support churches that already were had been planted. And so we weren't planting new churches. We were just going to support and encourage the leaders of the churches that already were there. Okay. And were these leaders Peruvians or were they yes, international? Primarily, okay. yeah, Peruvian leaders. Okay. Wow, Melissa. Okay. So now we want to hear some of your stories. So we're going to start with the questions about your time in Peru. So first, tell us a story about your initial transition and adjustment. Okay. So as I was thinking about the best stories to describe our initial transition and adjustment, I kept thinking about things related to shopping, which is one of those things that we you know, take for granted so much when, um, well, until a pandemic hits or something and you can't find toilet paper. Um, (laughs) You you know, we just, we get the things we need. We know where to go. We know what to buy. We know what we like. We know, you know, I know that I buy these things at Costco and I buy these things at, you know, the other grocery store and whatever. Well, when we first moved Um, to Peru. We lived in a little, like technically, I guess it was an apartment, but it was, um, it was connected to the church. So it was like an, like a parsonage apartment kind of thing. And there was a grocery store across the street and it was a supermercado. So it was a supermarket, Mm. you know, style store, but just, and I remember the first time going grocery shopping and by myself and um, so I, you know, walk across the double street to this, to the store and how, di- just how different this one little thing was, you know, to go grocery shopping because I, I've t- I explained it before that it's like shopping in Peru at a big grocery store. It was kind of like if somebody went to your grocery store, your favorite grocery store and like a really bad youth group game where they took all the labels 
and they changed them all around and they changed the size and shapes of the packages and moved, rearranged the store completely. And um, like, that's how it was to go grocery shopping because Mm. sometimes you would find something that actually was a brand that looked like, and you know, was the same name as something that we could buy here in the US, but it wouldn't taste the same because it had a different recipe or formula or something. So you think uh-huh. that you're buying the same type of mayonnaise, but it's not. It doesn't taste the same. And mm-hmm. um, baking soda, you had to ask for in the pharmacy because they sold it in these little packets as a like as a pharmaceutical type medicinal thing, yes. not as a baking yes. item. And yeah. um, shortening was sold in these little pouches, like little things, not like, so everything was just in weird, you know, different kinds of packaging than we were expecting. And of course it's in kilograms instead of pounds. And so you're doing this math, like <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, I'm converting things from dollars to soles, which was, you know, the soul is the Peruvian um, oh, currency. Okay. Okay. So, um, so the sun, the soul. Yeah. And so you have to, you know, cause you want to know how much am I actually paying for this? The, you know, these right. apples, let's say right. apples. So right. you want to buy some apples. And so you look at the price and it's, you know, however much it is per kilo. So then you have to, I would have to think, okay, so a kilo is how many pounds? And if this is in solace, then um, how much is that per dollar? And so like doing all these mental gymnastics just to figure out how much am I actually paying for apples? And then Mm -hmm. multiply that by every type of vegetable or produce. And then trying to learn the new systems like there at this supermarket, you would um, you would pick out the produce and they would weigh it and tag it in the produce section, yep. not at the checkout counter like we do here. Yeah, and they do same, that in China too. Yeah, and same thing with bread. Like at, back at the bakery, they had really, really good bread in Peru. And yep. they would have, you know, the baker, the bakery area in the store. And so you would tell them what you want and they would put it in a bag and weigh it and label it there so that when you get up to the cash register, they're just scanning everything. Yes. And, um, but so I was so proud of myself when I finally had, you know, gone grocery shopping by myself and I thought that I had figured it all out. And then I got up to the cash register (laughs) and they started asking me these questions. Tarjeta bonus? I'm like, um, you know, do you have a bonus card? And I was like, um, no, like... (laughs) I don't think so. And um, boleta or rook? I'm like, uh, I don't know what that means. And so, because I spoke Spanish. So I, like, I had been a bilingual teacher. I should have, and yet they were using these words. Different nouns. Yeah, like boleta, I thought that that meant ticket. And rook, I had no idea what that meant. Well, it turned out to be the equivalent of, do you want a regular receipt? Or do you have a wholesale purchaser number so that you don't have to pay tax or you know whatever and so but I just didn't know I didn't know at that point I hadn't learned what those things went so just and that's not even getting into the stories about then when we signed up our kids to go to a Peruvian school and we had to figure out how to get them uniforms um, and they gave us like a little ticket with numbers on it for Toby's pants and mm-hmm. we had to take, and it's like, what do we do with 
this. And <laughs> what is they were this? Like, oh, well, you take it to the mercado, like the real mercado that, you know, you see on the travel shows, like not the supermercado, the, outdoor, the real mercado, the outdoor yes, outdoor with markets. all the little vendors and whatever. Uh-huh. And so you go to the, to the mercado and you take this little ticket and you take it, first of all, to the fabric vendor okay. and they look at the number and they t- get the right kind of fabric for you. And then you take it to the seamstresses and they uh-huh. will measure your kid and use the pattern number that you have on your little thing there so that they can make the pants for your kid. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Oh, it's like you don't know what you don't know. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So much to learn. Yes, yes. And that all takes time and brain space and gosh, just takes so much time. Okay, now tell us a story about something that was hard for you in your time living abroad. Yeah, so I think that really the thing that was the hardest for me was missing, you know, life events, milestones, things that were happening back here in the U.S. Um, Our kids missing, um, connecting with their cousins. And like when there was this one particular, um, I want to say it was within, at least it was within the same month, I had a nephew be born here in Fresno and I had um, my last living grandmother pass away, hmm. both within the same month while we were down there. And it also happened to be a difficult time in our um, in our stay there because we were having some difficulties and getting ready to move to a different city. And so everything just felt hard. Mm, And um, so missing, so knowing that my nephew, I just had a nephew be born and I can't go see him. And, you know, seeing the pictures of the cousin, you know, my other nieces and nephews, I have a lot of nieces and nephews and seeing Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. growing up and knowing that our kids were missing out on the times together. And the, the worst was um, the, when my grandma's funeral happened. So I think at this point, I did not have um, international texting figured out yet. So like now there's a family, like with my siblings, we message each other on our all of our Apple phones, like a lot. You mm-hmm. know, we have these conversations, but they, and they had started doing some of that, but I wasn't part of any of those conversations yet. So we just weren't in touch in the same way. Cause this was in, um, we moved to Peru in December of 2011. So okay. this was in 2012, 2013. And, you know, which that's 10 years ago. And in technology wise, that's a long time. It so, is a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And the day that, that we, we moved, like I said, and my grandma's funeral, I think was the next day, but somehow in all of, or the day after that, but somehow in the process of moving and all the disorienting everything, I got the dates mixed up. And so I knew that my grandma's funeral was going to be on, you know, Saturday or whatever it was, but all day that Saturday, I thought it was Friday. 
Like I had Mm. the dates mixed up in my head and I thought Mm -hmm. that my grandma's funeral was the next day Mm. instead of Mm -hmm. it being that day. And so nobody was, nobody was live streaming anything because we didn't do that, you know, back then. But still like the next day, all of a sudden I realized, wait, or maybe later that day, my grandma's funeral happened. And not only did I miss it and not get to be there, but I didn't even realize in the moment that I wasn't there. And get to, Mm. like, emotionally be there even if I couldn't physically be there, you know? Yeah. And so, like, just that disconnection was hard, especially especially because I'd grown up with, you know, being close to my family. I hadn't ever lived in another country before. And, you know, I'd visited Mexico when I was in college uh, for a summer once, but that's not the same. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's so hard to be away from family and those milestones. Yeah, and then just to be away from friends and things. And one of the things I learned about myself um, while we were gone is just that the more I miss people, the harder it is for me to stay in touch with them because Hmm. it just makes it hurt worse. And so Mm. when I have to be away from people, I can't just stay in touch. My husband can. He's great at staying in touch with our friends from Peru. And Mm. I can a tiny bit, but it's like, it's just too hard for me to not Mm. be able to be there. And so I end up kind of disconnecting emotionally because it's like, it just hurts too much. And so, Mm. yeah, so that was, so that was one of the things that was hard. Well, Melissa, if any of your friends from abroad are listening, and if you haven't talked to them for a while, then they can be reassured that you really care for them because (laughs) it's too hard to talk to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Oh, it is. It's, And I think that sometimes there's an expectation, but as time goes on, you know, your hearts are still connected for mm-hmm. sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I think, and I think people understand. Yeah. And then if you were to go see them again at some mm-hmm. point, people mm-hmm. would be so happy to hug you yes. and have you. Yes. Mm-hmm. At least we hope that's true, right? We oh, it is. No, and I know to... that it is from the little bit that I am still connected. And um, I do know that, yes, there's still so much love between all of us. Um, yeah. There's no doubt. Well, tell us, tell us more about something that you loved living about living in Peru. Yes. Yes. Speaking of, speaking of Uh love, right. So, um, I, I just, there's so much that I loved. Um, we lived in a place that was, um, it was the, the second city that we lived in, um, was pretty close to the coast. So, you know, and the first city we lived in was not far from the coast either. So, you know, where we are here in Fresno, we are just about two hours, two and a half hours away from the Pacific mm-hmm. Ocean. And so we're not like right at the beach, but it's easy to yeah. get to the beach from yeah. here. And so growing up, we would take vacations over to the coast all the time. And, or at least, you know, a couple times a year. And I loved being there and being close to the Pacific Ocean, just the mm. Pacific Ocean off of South America instead of here. So I loved the ocean. We would go to the ocean a lot. And um, the ocean has always been a happy place for me that just ministers to my soul. Okay. So when, and the sunsets there off the, around on the coast, the sunsets over the ocean were just, were really amazing in, in Trujillo. So, um, but I loved the people. 
I loved the women uh, that I got to do women's ministry with, and I got to lead worship. Like I got to be on the mm-hmm. worship team with one of the churches, and it was just so much fun. And I loved how people took time to um, just to be together. And I, there was something really empowering about learning how to function in another Hmm. culture and in another country. I like, I just felt it just made me happy to know that I had figured, you know, not that I'd figured everything out by any means, of course, but that I had figured out that I'd learned so much and that I knew how to get around and I knew, you know, how to just, I knew how things worked in that I needed to know so much more than I had when we first moved there. And um, I loved the food. It's not Mexican food. Peruvian food is not the same at all as Mexican food. They speak Spanish, but they don't eat Mexican food. And, but I let, but we loved Peruvian food and, um, yeah, so there were just lots of, I loved the music. I loved, um, every, you know, the, the hugs and kisses Mm, when mm -hmm. at the church that we were part of, um, they would always do a greeting time and we would sing this song and everybody in the room would go around and hug and do the air kisses on the cheek to everybody else in the room during this, during this greeting song. Because that's the greeting, right? That's a normal greeting. Yep. So you just go around and you greet everybody. And I just loved it. Mm. It made me happy. It was fun. My kids didn't love it, but I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So things that we love might be different than things that our kids love, right? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So, Melissa, tell me something. Is there anything that you learned about yourself or the world that you would like to share with our listeners being with those two and a half years in Peru? Yeah. So, you know, I think that, and this kind of goes back a little bit to, um, to the shopping. Like one of the things that I learned that I've never forgotten. And I think about quite often actually, is that there really is more than one way of doing things that we have a particular, you know, ways that we think are right in the United States. Like we think, I think that we subconsciously think that, well, this is how you do something. This is how this works or that works. And it was humbling and enlightening to realize that there are really a lot of different ways that things can be done. And so like the, um, like the pants, you know, yes, you can say every kid just goes and gets their pants at Target and they all just get whatever random navy blue pants or you can have a particular pattern and a particular fabric and everybody just gets their own pants made and then no, no store has to carry inventory that they might not use and that they have mm. to discount someday because nobody bought it and each school can have their own thing. And so it's, it's just a different way of doing things, but that actually makes sense once you understand the different logic and perspective behind it. But um, the other thing, there was something really special and unique about living in communities. um, And we lived in cities, like we weren't out in, you know, Peru has a ton, 
like from the Andes over and north, it's rainforest. Like the Amazon River wow. actually starts in the Amazon rainforest in Peru. Wow. And then it goes from there into, you know, over and through Brazil. But so there's lots of rainforest in and mountains in Peru. But we lived in an area that was desert. Wow. And Different. but then with um where the rivers would come down to the coast through from the mountains, that's where the towns would pop up. So they were mm-hmm. uh, always surrounding the rivers, but they were actual, you know, cities. And, but they were built, everything was built very close together. So it wasn't like here in my little suburban neighborhood where you're not allowed to build your house, like you have to have space between your house and the property line. Like you're not allowed to build right up to the property line. And um, whereas there, you intentionally build up to the property line. Because if you don't, somebody else, your neighbor is probably going to build onto your property. So you would have your bricks go all the way to the edge of your property. And then your neighbor builds their bricks right next to yours so you're basically sharing walls, no matter, you know, not just in an apartment, but the houses as well. And so, and, you know, same thing, like your fences, like everything, you're just so close together. Mm-hmm. And I remember one night the Peruvian soccer team, national soccer team, I don't think it was the World Cup year, so I don't think that's what it was, but there was some big, important soccer game that was that they were playing in this particular night. And I think that we were watching it and um, just we were by ourselves watching it, but they scored a goal and I literally heard the entire neighborhood cheering. Like you could hear (laughs) because our windows were always open because it was hot and we didn't have air conditioning. And so you could hear the sound of people all throughout the neighborhood cheering. And it was just so cool because like here, you know, maybe we're all watching the Super Bowl in our houses and you can cheer, but you don't hear your neighbors. We don't, you know, unless you're maybe living in apartments. But anyway, so yeah. so just life realizing is, there life are, is closer. Yeah, that there are just different ways of doing things that are valuable and just because it's different doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense. It just means we don't understand. Thank you, Melissa, for sharing your round trip stories. They illustrate how much time and brain space is needed when transitioning to a new country and how normal but painful it can be to miss family and milestones back home. You share that just because it is different doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. It just means we don't understand. Once we understand, we can feel empowered living in other places. So what happened when Melissa returned from Peru? You'll have to make that return trip to our podcast for part two of Melissa's round trip story. Want the podcast equivalent of early boarding and first class seating? Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider sharing it with your fellow globetrotting friends? We would love to encourage them too. As this episode lands, we hope these stories have encouraged you, helped you find some more of your belongings, and made your baggage a little lighter. Thanks so much for listening, friends. We'll see you next time.